Um, all right, so we're into our series called No Fear November. We're into week three. We're going through the book of Philippians, and uh, I said it right today, so I feel good about that. And I haven't said it wrong, so it's not stuck in my head the wrong way. But I'm thinking about it. It's going to mess me up. But Philippians, book of Philippians, week one, we went through chapter one. And week two, we went through the chapter two. So week three, we're going to go through chapter three. Yes, you guys got it. Way to go. Way to go. Um, week one, we talked about Paul. Paul's passion for the gospel and where that kind of came from. And, and even being chained up and locked up, he wanted to be the encouragement to the church of Philippi to share the good news, no matter what. And then uh, week two, uh, we talked about, so that was last week we talked about humility. And Paul gave the greatest example of humility, he pointed us, or pointed the church of Philippi to Jesus, because that's the greatest example of humility, of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and, and also conquering the grave. And Paul challenged the believers of Philippi to put away their selfish ambitions and, and humble themselves, continue on in the good work, loving God, loving others, and, and sharing the good news. Let that be the most important thing rather than their own personal gain. So today in chapter three, the theme of the series is, is being fearless and, and, and being fearless in Christ. And today we're going to be looking at understanding where our strength comes from. And before we dive into to chapter three, I have to uh, take a poll with you guys. Maybe, Ernest, you can even put this poll on our Instagram because I think it was a split decision this morning, all right? I need you guys to help me out with if I was fearless or if I was fearful, okay? If I was fearless or if I was fearful. And, and um, this is, uh, we're in Thunder Bay, me and Liana, we're in Thunder Bay. We're pastoring with her, her father-in-law and I was the, the youth pastor there. And uh, we, we had just, uh, it was, we had just moved from uh, our, our first little place together. We moved into a nicer place that, wasn't filled with mold which was great and uh, it was a very very nice place and and we we're unpacking everything there and and she wanted to buy this new beige rug for our living room and it was it was a beautiful rug and uh, uh we laid it out everything in the whole she set up the house super nice it was a beautiful place and um she was still working shift work at the time it was a friday night so i just finished youth group just finished cleaning up the church i was coming home probably about 11:30 p.m and I was like, I'm hungry. I'm going to get some Wendy's. going to get a burger combo, you know, burger, fries, and a drink. I'm going to sit down at home. I'm going to watch some TV while I eat my Wendy's. I was looking forward to that, to just relax. Okay? So I had a little TV dinner table right there on, uh, right in front of the TV. Put my burger, my fries, my drink there. And, of course, klutzy old me kicks over the table. And every drop of drink went onto this new, beautiful beige rug. Okay? So these are my options I had that are going on in my head. Option number one, I'm going to clean this rug up as best as I possibly can and not say one word to Leanna, see if she notices. Okay, that was option number one. Option number two, I'm going to clean this rug as best as I can, as best as I can and, and just tell Leanna what happened and, and just, you know, be straight with her because she loved this rug. Option number three was flee to Mexico and never talk about this again. And uh, I'm telling you, the beaches in Mexico are wonderful. It's a beautiful place to go. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't go to Mexico. Of course, my brain went to option number one. I cleaned it up, didn't tell her anything. Okay. So I was, I went to sleep in uh, a little bit of fear that night because I, she came home at 7 a.m. from her shift and, 
and she didn't notice. Great, she went right to bed. I was like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe uh, she just didn't notice because she was tired from the shift, right? Um, woke up and we had a nice little date day. We uh, went shopping and, and, and the evening we, we watched a movie at home right in that very living room. My feet were on the spot of the carpet where I made the spill. And she didn't notice that that night either. And I was like, okay, I must be in the clear. And I, I kind of monitored the situation for about a week and everything was okay. Nothing, nothing went bad. She never found out. She never found out. So, so church, I need you to help me out. Maybe you can tell me later or, or you can vote on our Instagram if I was being fearful or fearless. And, and she eventually did find out because we one day decided that uh, God was calling us to come pastor in Toronto. And um, that's what happened. And we're packing up the house and we rolled up the carpet together. And then you can see on the bottom of the carpet, the biggest stain you could ever find. And I just remember my eyes going wide and being like, whoa, look at this thing and having to explain myself. But I wasn't so afraid then or worried then because it already had been so much time that passed by. But uh, you guys can help me out if I was being fearless or fearful. If you uh, have your Bibles available, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be uh, studying in for the, for the next uh, a few minutes here. Um, but why don't we just pray to start. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to draw close to you and, and learn from you. Lord, turn my voice down, turn your voice up. Let us hear from you today. In your name I pray. Amen. First point this morning is this. No confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. And I love how this whole passage, um, this is, it starts out with Paul rejoicing. And, and, and just that first like three words that it says in the passage, just, I, it stuck with me because at this time, Paul was still in jail. Paul was still chained up, locked up. It's been a while. He's being, has all this pressure upon him, but he starts out in rejoicing. And and, uh, and many times throughout scripture, you see, uh, we're supposed to start, even our prayers, we're supposed to start with thankfulness and rejoicing. Uh, when we get together on Sundays, we're supposed to start with thankfulness and rejoicing. I thought that was a really encouraging thing to hear. That's how Paul starts out. He then goes from uh, starting in rejoicing to uh, reminding the fellow believers, the, ch the church of Philippi, to safeguard themselves. Remain uh, above reproach because people... Um, uh, because people will fail you. Putting your faith in people, putting your faith in your own strength, you will fail. People are imperfect. And that's how he, he moves on to the next section. And, and surprisingly, yes, even your pastor, he will fail. He's, not, he's imperfect. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. I'm imperfect. Very, very, very much so. Uh, Paul then goes on to say this, okay, to the believers in Christ. Rest assured, this is what you're going to find in the world. In the world, you're going to find this. You're going to, uh, in verse 2, I'll just read it. It says, wash out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And, and, and church, this was actually the first time, uh, this is the origin of the beware of dogs signs. So, you know, those that get put in the yard. This is the origin of that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but uh, it, it might be. Um, he's actually warning the church of Philippi against the false prophets against the malice they'll have against the church and uh, malice they'll have against anyone who is faithfully sharing the good news. They're considered, um, they're described as, the, these false prophets are described as self-righteous legalists. And Paul is talking about two different types of false teachings that endangered the church in Philippi. 
The first one is legalism, which is basically dependence on moral law rather than on faith in Christ. The second one is licentiousness, which is promiscuous and unprincipled in sexual matters. And uh, when, it, when, when, it, when we talk about moral law, to me that's still up for debate as well because um, it's their version of morality. They actually twisted and perverted everything so it suited them as false prophets, as, 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 the, as what they taught. And uh, so you can think about this. Paul, this is actually a warning against, um, Paul's just saying this is a, a warning against all the false prophets. And those, those prophets that are these, these, these self-righteous legalists, Paul's then going to contrast what Christ followers are about, which is that transformational change from within, and contrasting what they, these false prophets are trying to sell which is an outward act, which is, which I, which I said is perverted to uh, basically benefit them and help them grow in their wealth and their status and all those kinds of things rather than serving God. So last week I shared this, that the headlines of 60 to 62 AD, when, when this was written, all right, they're very similar to the headlines of today. And, and the false prophets during that time, they're pushing their agenda, their own narratives, they're denying the way of Christ, denying the scriptures, denying that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And uh, if you look today, the largest growing idea about religion is actually something called universalism. Universalism is basically the idea that all religions are uh, the same in the sense of worshiping the same God. They all believe that all religions are actually worshiping the same God, but are uh, doing it in different ways. And and uh, you can look at it, look at it like uh, uh, the radio the FM radio station where um, there's music being played, but there's all different kinds of genres. That's how they view uh, religion. So this, this universalism idea has been birthed from evildoers of today. It's another way the devil tries to throw people off the path of righteousness. Um, then Paul gets to start talking about, in verses 3, uh, something gets a 2 and 3. It starts getting a little gross, all right? Uh, he ends with mutilation in verse 2. And then talks about circumcision in verse three, and it's let's just let's just walk through that for a second, okay? It's not some of it's kind of gross, some of it's not as gross as you think. Um, but the mutilators of the flesh, this is the gross part, okay? So these false prophets, these these self-righteous legalists, remember that uh, they have no desire, no care about the Christian faith, about the transformation in the heart. They're selling their version of the right way. They're selling that. You need to be authentically circumcised to be a part of this club. And all of it benefited their status, their wealth, and all of it. That's what it all turned to. Um, and you got to look the certain way, and they're trying to follow and sell it as the Old Testament ways. And, and um, the Old Testament way was based, A, out of purity. There was a tradition based out of purity, and it became a metaphor for purity as well. That's not how these, these self-righteous, these false prophet um, uh, pro prophets, that's not how they... They viewed anything. They perverted it for themselves. And um, that whole tradition with circumcision is all changed through the life of Jesus Christ. It actually, it's really funny how Paul puts it um, in, in Galatians 5. Uh, he, this is exactly what he's saying in Galatians 5. He's saying that the tradition was of the olden days before Jesus. It's all, uh, it's the idea for purity. It all, be ch it all changed because of the cross, what Jesus did for us on the cross. He was the sacrificial lamb for us uh, on the cross so that we don't have to do the sacrifices anymore. He can give it, giving us a chance at 
restoration through him. So there's no more need for those sacrifices. And then I love what he says in verse 12, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 12 is the, is the kicker verse for me. It's, it's pretty straight up. Here. He says, for all those agitators, so for the false prophets, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Those are some pretty strong words from Paul. I was like, wow, I was pretty shocked that he, would even, he shared it that way. Um, so that's, that, that's the end of verse 2. In verse 3, this is what it says. It says, for it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Okay, so this is not as weird as you think it was. This would have been culturally relevant at the time. When, when, it, when, it, when it talks about we, the believers in Christ, are the circumcision. Paul's talking about we are those who are in purity, living and striving for purity. Those that serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ and don't put confidence in our own human uh, strength, or our own human desires, our own human thoughts, but our confidence is in Christ. And, and uh, so that would have been more uh, of a cultural understanding that, that, that people would understand better than we do, because that's what it worked. That's how it was back then. And when you, uh, uh, if you are a theology nerd in any kind of way, um, you can, if you dive into it and, and see the biblical Greek language, there's, um, the way it's written is, Paul is actually writing in a comical way. And um, if, you're, if you're a theology nerd, you can check that out. Um, and Paul is basically telling these mutilators who are perverting the good news message uh, to, to go emasculate themselves because that, you're, you're perverting the message. And if you look at just how it is, if you compare 60 to 62 AD compared to today, in 60 to 62 AD, these false prophets were pushing their ideas, their rules, and it was to profit for themselves and people who are actually mutilating themselves. If we look at today, 2022, current day, we actually have the same ideas. That's a normalized idea that's going around, not even just with adults. It's even pushed into our children, into the teachings of our children. We have to deal with gender confusion and gender dysphoria. That's, that's thoughts of today. And, and children are making those decisions today of, of choosing what gender they are. And that's the challenges we face. And that's the reason why I bring this up for this moment, church, is just a reminder that this is what we're up against. This is what we have to stand firm in our biblical principle, principles for. And, uh, and we have to remember, this is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And every day, every day, we have to be putting on the full armor of God. So we are protecting ourselves that we are staying rooted in scriptures, rooted in biblical principles. And the, and the Holy Spirit for us to guide us every single day. And for us to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul, who faced the same things that we're facing today, he passionately started out this letter with rejoicing. Then he moved to reminding the, the believers to safeguard themselves, put on the full armor of God because there's evildoers out there. They're going to be coming after you. And lastly, in, in, in that section of the letter, he says, don't worry, we are the ones who are living in Christ. We, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have no confidence in the flesh because our confidence is in Christ. He comes through over and over and over again for us. Okay, second section of, of uh, Philippians is verses, I think, basically 5, uh, maybe 4 to 11, okay? This, uh, the second point is called the school of hard knocks. Anyone in the room or online? 
been through the school of hard knocks before, you know? Anyone have any of those, those, uh, those situations? You know, um, a small situation that I had of being through the school of hard knocks was my grade 12 year um, of high school. In, uh, in Manitoba, we don't have grade 13, okay? That's only an Ontario thing. And we made fun of you guys for a while because we thought, you know, if you, if you needed grade 13, you know, you're a little bit slow. That's what, that's what we said. Um, anyways, you guys can argue with me about that later. Um, but grade 12 year, I can't make fun of anyone being a little bit, you know, you know, struggling with the grades because my calculus, not my pre-calculus, my pre, my calculus course, I was struggling. I was not doing well. I started out the semester very poorly. And uh, my parents were saying, if you don't pick up your grade, I'm going to kick you off the uh, basketball team that I was, not my school team, but uh, the, the regional team that I was playing for. And, and I was really passionate, as you guys know, about basketball. I was passionate about this regional team because in grade 11, I was the only grade 11 on that team. I was the worst player on that team. Grade 12, I got to be the captain of that team. It was a really honor. It was a really good season for that. And, and of course, me being an arrogant young kid, didn't care about what my parents were going to say. They were just bluffing, and my grade for calculus stayed very low. I was passing, but barely. And uh, my parents were like, okay, I've had enough. You haven't listened to me. Listen to us, and uh, we're kicking you off the, this basketball team. you got to go tell your coach that you're letting your team down, and it's because of my selfishness. And I had to do that. That was like the worst thing I had to do because I was so. This, this was just a great opportunity for me. I thought things were going my way. And, and wow, that was tough for me. So I had to learn that way because I got my grades up so I could play for my school team. That was my story of uh, a small version of the school of hard knocks. Now, Paul, in verses four to six, he's saying that if there's one person in this world, if there's one person that can have the idea of relying on their own strength, they're relying on the flesh, right? It, it, it's, it would be me. That's what Paul's saying. Paul has more trophies than anyone else, has more noble prizes. He has more money, more status than anyone else in the world. And, and, and he then goes on to list all of his worldly greatness. And uh, I, if you look at, uh, you can look at your, your Bibles for the scripture there. I didn't put them up on the screen, but basically he goes through the bragging list. So I'm going to go through that and you guys can follow along because some of them are, like I said, this is written back in 60 to 62 AD. So the Braggs back then don't exactly like translate as good as they are today. But just bear with me. The first Bragg was this, okay? He's circumcised the eighth day. He's bragging about this, all right? It was a big Bragg, a major Bragg back then because the converts to Judaism were circumcised only in maturity. The Ishmaelites, they were, uh, they were circumcised in their 13th year so he's bragging i was i was circumcised eighth day that's a big deal so he was neither a heathen or an ishmaelite um it's a little bit of a weird break to us but it, it it held a lot of weight back then well maybe it held maybe they should have said it didn't hold as much weight you know what i'm saying but next break uh the he said he's of the people of israel paul's bragging about his lineage bringing that he's one of the original stock the next break he has, he's of the tribe of Benjamin, not from one of the lost tribes, but he's from the tribe, the, the tribe that gave Israel its first king. It's a royal tribe. Uh, the next, the next break he has, he says he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. This expression implies characteristics of language and manners. 
He might be an Israelite and yet a child of Greek-speaking Jews, but his parents had retained their native tongue and customs. The next break he has was he was a Pharisee. He was uh, high up there on the food chain of, of who upheld the law and who actually helped create the law. The next break he had was he's a chief persecutor of the church. And uh, that goes without saying. That was a big break during that time because that's how much power he had. The next break was he's based on the law. He was actually faultless. He was perfect. Okay. So this is Paul sharing all this and he's sharing all of his high school stats and, and all this stuff. And he's not doing it to brag or to show how much he's accomplished. He actually is doing it to share his dirty laundry, to share the, the red on his ledger, quote unquote. Church in our culture today, you know, our, we're pushed to have goals of, of, of making it. And to make it, you know, you got you to gotta make this amount of money. You got to have this amount of followers on your social media. You got to have this much of status and fame. And, and then you have made it. And people, are, 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 then people pray for that. They pray to make it in terms of this world. We've become very materialistic in our culture. But church, Paul is this wonderful example for us. And in, 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 his, in, in that time then, in, in the world then, he gained everything. He had it all. All the wealth, the status, the following. But here's what he says in verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. In verse 8, it says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For those whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. That's what he's saying. Everything he had gained on this world was trash. It's considered trash to him. It's worthless. It's worthless in, in God's eyes. Church, righteousness in Christ brings fulfillment. But righteousness of my own, that leaves you searching for hope. In verses 9 and 10, Paul is sharing that. And, and that he wants to be known and, and he wants to be found in Christ. He wants that to be the message. He wants to uh, not be known for having any righteousness of his own anymore. Any righteousness that comes from the law, but having righteousness through faith in Christ that comes from God on the basis of faith. And Paul learned the hard, hard way. His life had some pretty unexpected journeys along the way. He achieved all the worldly success, albeit being anti-Christian success, but he had it all. Had it all according to the world standard at the time and the culture. And God used the school of hard knocks to teach Paul in such a way that his life changed forever. All the gains in this world were for nothing. But all his gains and his faith in Christ and for doing the good work and sharing the good news, it's a reward like no other. Let that be an uh, inspiration for us, church, this morning. Lastly, in point number three, I call it the Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, I think it was a few years back now, there was a uh, really talented... Uh, college runner. I think they were running the 800 meter. They're known for running the 800 meter. They were supposed to go on to break records and, and do really well. And they're into the final race of their career. And um, they were, I think, 200, 150 meters uh, left in the race. And they were, they were easily going to win. They're, the, they're like just by far. And, and what he does with 150 meters left, 100 meters left, he starts celebrating and, and starts slowing down. And uh, of course, what happens is the person in second 
gave it their all and, and, and beat him in the last second to, to take that prize. So his final race, he had a silver medal when he should have had gold. He could have probably broken uh, the track record for the college level. And uh, he went and messed that up. And, and Paul's saying this in the next uh, verses, basically 12 to the end. He's saying that, so the rest of my life, I'm going to strain towards the finish line. I'm not going to ease up. I'm not going to celebrate before the finish line. I'm going to give my best to finish through until the day I die. Gaining Christ and, 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 and being the righteousness, uh, uh, having righteousness that comes from God and the basis of faith, that's going to be everything I'm about and I'm not going to ease up on it. I haven't made it. Even though, I've, I've, uh, even though I've gone from my wicked past and God has used me for some pretty good things, I haven't made it. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to stay where I'm at because I have more work to do. Even though God has flipped my life around, I've been through many storms, and, I've, I've, and God's used me for many good things, I haven't made it yet. I haven't done enough good. There's more fruitful labor left for me to do. There is work that is left. I'm going to forget all that is behind me, all my sinfulness and all the, even, even the things that God has used me for, that's not going to stop me from pressing on toward the goal to win the prize, straining toward the finish line. And he goes on to call on the, the church of Philippi, the Christians, to take on this view. And he's encouraging them to tell them, brothers and sisters, if we're all doing this together, think of the amazing move of God that's going to happen in, 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 the Philipp, in the city of Philippi, the nation of Philippi. God's got something special in store. And Paul reminds them again, along the way, as we strain towards the finish line, there are going to be many, many people that are enemies of the cross. They're lives that are dedicated to the, the destruction of, of all things Christian. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. It says in scripture, their mindset is only on earthly things. And, and the portion of scripture here that, that really hits home for me, what Paul says here, it says, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior. And church, this, this, Paul had laid this passage out so easily for me. It's not even me having to, to find words to preach. This is like God's word right there through Paul. Our citizenship is in heaven. We aren't living for the things of this world. Even if you have it all according to the world standards, if you don't have faith in Christ, if you don't have Christ as the head of your house, if you're not operating in the power and, 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 and love of the Holy Spirit, then all of that is worth nothing. It's not worth anything. But if you love Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, you already know you have the greatest gift of all time. I don't think God wants us to keep that gift to ourselves. We got to go. We have to go and share that gift. Church, as God's words delivered to us, maybe it's Ernest and worship teams coming up. As God's words are delivered to us through Paul, through scripture this morning. Remember that we are called to love God love others. Press on to the finish line and share the good news. Press on and do the good work. God is stirring something up in our hearts. God is making moves. I already have for next week 
uh, I'm going to share a really awesome testimony in the middle of the message um, that I'm so excited to share with you. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to share a few testimonies uh, going into next week. I'm excited for some pretty cool testimonies to come this week in faith. We got some good news That's that, that God's moving in, in people in, in the Esplanade, in the Canary. God's working. And um, if you haven't got the idea of it, this, this November series, uh, what's, it's been put on my heart. I think it's supposed to be preparation for us for December. Uh, December is the time where people that aren't connected to the church are, are the most willing to try church. I think this is preparation for us to, you know, as, as, we, as we move into the season of hope, which is, which is Christmas, right? We get to share this good news and share the good work. And it's preparing us to do that for this, for this very December. And church, I, if you're with me, I know, um, I think God's up to something special. I really do. But church, if you're able, why don't you stand with me? As we're challenged to share the good news, do the good work. We're going to sing this, this Nicene Creed again. And uh, this, this, this whole creed is built on biblical principles, biblical standards. And um, I think more than ever, we need to continue to solidify that in our lives, continue to proclaim that in all that we do. As we stand firm in Christ, as he prepares us for what is to come. So church, if uh, as Ernest leads us, as we sing this, let's sing it with a little bit of... Uh, zeal this morning and uh we'll uh we'll just give it over to god amen